listening to the Uloft podcast presented by United IUP, a community of college students and young adults in Indiana, Pennsylvania, who are dedicated to unite with each other and Christ to change the world around us. We hope that this podcast raises questions and answers others while ultimately starting a conversation to discover unifying biblical truth in this chaotic world. I will say that uh, somebody told me recently uh, while we were eating the Lord's Chicken, Chick-fil-A, um, that this is his favorite Christian podcast right now. So that's really? kind of cool. Yeah. That's super cool. Uh, the Lord's Chicken and favorite Christian podcast. I mean, it's probably because of you know your chocolate voice, but... I would think so. I mean, I, can you imagine sitting down with a plate of the Lord's Chicken and listening to this podcast? <laughs> and so you'd, you'd be getting your taste buds. Whoa, ho. Oops, <laughs> I just messed something up. Yeah. Oops, oh, turn that down. Uh, <laughs> I need more of me and my headphones, Michael. Yeah, so basically for those who are listening, Kendall just turned one of the knobs on the board. Give it here. There we, there go. we go. Now I can and, hear better. Uh, I got a transient spike into my Well, I thought you would have put yourself as number one and me as number two because you're so humble, but you put yourself as number two, so I'm proud of you. That's right, I'm learning. Um, Good job. Michael, what podcast are we in? Who is, uh, what podcast is the favorite podcast of someone who listens to this and eats the Lord's Chicken Chick-fil-A? This is the Uloft podcast, and if it's not your favorite podcast, we hope that it will be. I am Michael Bond, and I'm sitting here with Kendall, and uh, yeah, so we're gonna talk about depression. I don't get a last name or a first name, but that's okay. What do you mean? I said I said your first name. Well, like I don't get a title or like a yeah. You said my first name, which you didn't say a title or a last name. I'm just I'm here with like you. You're distinguished, Michael, right? Like you said, uh, I'm Michael Bond, and I'm here with Kendall. Like so, I will, such a letdown. I will counter by saying that some of the most <laughs> profound thinkers in history only go by one name because they don't need a, a uh, last yes. name. Like okay, Voltaire you know what? I'll take that. And Beyonce, I'll take. <laughs> That's great company to be in. I am, I'm the Beyonce of podcasts. That's right. I, I think I think I think we made it work. So we're going to talk about depression today, and maybe what we'll start with is um, first of all, we had a guest at United, and she talked a lot about this topic, and she was well educated. Judy Christian. Judy Christian. Yes. Um, and one of the things that she talked about was how people in the younger generation are more open and honest about their mental well-being. And that raised a, I would say, maybe a point of contention or at least a point of possible debate because it could be the case that people are more open and honest and therefore we are seeing more cases of depression. But I think it could also be the case that because it's less taboo to talk about it now, people are being overdiagnosed. So, for instance, mm. if you're just sad about something, because first of all, we should it's useful in the, on this topic to draw a line between like situational depression and depression that requires professional treatment. So, for instance, clinical you, depression, right? Yeah, like if you if you just lost your job uh, and you're, you're thrust into chaos, like nobody's going to expect you to be joyful about that and mm. like over the moon. Oh, I don't know how to provide for my family now. Great, like yeah. that's not how that goes. But you can trace the depression or the feelings of sadness straight to a particular circumstance. Yeah. So you resolve the circumstance, i.e. get another job, and then you resolve the depression sometimes. Now, sometimes uh, these sorts of things can start, they can kick off a cycle that ends up becoming, you know, 
part of the person's life, even after the circumstance is gone. But the point being that just because you have an external circumstance that's causing you to be sad doesn't mean that you should be diagnosed with depression just yet. Yeah, with clinical depression. Like, I, I actually look at the word, just the word depression, right? Like, what are you actually depressing? Like, you know, you're depressing your emotions, your um, your uh, joy, your peace. You're depressing who you actually are, right? And you become a shell of yourself. Um, there are many times in my life, I know, like, uh, just day to day, considering what might go on for the day, that I might depress my uh, my general state of being because something sucks for the day. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't know that I would be ever categorized as clinically depressed um, because if there was a time that I was like that, we worked through it or like went to therapy or we went through that stuff. So yeah, no, I think there is a is a major danger for people to say, oh, well, I'm just depressed and kind of use that as a crutch, right? right. Like, um, in fact, I actually see, we talked about this when we when we um, discussed this particular sermon series as a leadership group, we talked about um, how so many of us, quote unquote, so many of us use humor to, uh, to deal with depression. You know, um, there are plenty of memes out there uh, that are like, you know, uh, I'm not even going to try to describe them. It's going to make me sound older than I actually am. So there's plenty of memes out there that uh, that hint at this, you know, that are that are kind of poking fun at your crippling depression or whatever it might be. Um, and the thing is, is like I would I would contend that most people actually aren't depressed. They just have some sad days and they've they've got some difficult times ahead of them. But you actually need to go to a professional to um, for you yourself to be diagnosed like that and to uh, you know to know what proper treatments you need to go through because if we're just if we're just using humor to try to deal with it and then we don't ever go to therapy and then we don't ever do this then then what could have started as a bad day turns into clinical depression right well there yeah there is some danger in naming a mental illness and attaching it to yourself so for instance if you're stressed out at work or you're having a particularly hard week and then you say, okay, well, maybe I have anxiety. Um, that could produce something like a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense that like, it, it could be the case that you don't actually have anxiety, but because you convince yourself that you do, it turns into a habit, which then ends up becoming real actual anxiety. And so it's useful <clears throat> to resist diagnosing yourself. I would say probably almost never diagnose yourself. Yeah. Um, it's always better to go to a professional for that sort of thing. And also to be careful about which, which professional you go to. So, uh, one possible misconception in this area is that anyone who is a therapist or anyone who is doing this professionally is good at what they're doing. I would say that it's definitely not the case that all of them are good at what they're doing. And it might even be the case that less than half of them are good at what they're doing, which means that you could go to a series of quote professionals who all misdiagnose you or who all uh, aren't pursuing the proper treatment philosophy with you. And so if you do that, well, what does that end up doing? It ends up convincing you that there's something specially wrong with you. Uh, if I've had five professionals tell me that I'm depressed, what mm -hmm. am I going to believe? Am I going to yeah. say, I'm going to say, oh, no, they're, they're all wrong. It could be the case that they are all actually wrong. And that is actually a, a, a very distinct possibility. Or they're wrong in the way that they're treating you, right? right? Like you have to look at it like this, right? So it's called mental health for a reason. Um, and 
it has to be just like our physical health and our physical well-being. Not all doctors are good at being doctors. Right. <laughs> like, oh yeah. You know, you can't just uh you can't just think, "Oh, well, they've gone through the schooling, so they're probably pretty good." Like they are human beings with uh, with problems as well, with um, deficiencies as well. They are human beings. Any any uh, any kind of job or any kind of even uh, career, you are going to have people who are really good at their career, and you're going to have people who are really bad at their career, mm-hmm. and you're going to have people who are in between. And so, like, if if in this instance, right, say in your hypothetical that you've been to five people and or five different therapists and they're all telling you the same thing, but nothing's working, right? They're all telling you you're depressed. Well, great, fine, I'm depressed. Why is nothing working after I've been with all the five people? Well, they might not be giving you the proper treatment, but that doesn't mean you should give up on that and just be like, well, I guess I'm just gonna be depressed the rest of my life. No, you need to find someone um, who can actually treat specifically what you're going through. I mean, I know there are certain therapists who deal specifically with trauma, who deal specifically with childhood trauma. Um, and there are other therapists who have no clue really how to deal with that, uh, with that kind of, with that kind of thing. Um, there are people who deal with addiction and there are people who don't deal with addiction. Um, and so like, you kind of have to find the proper, uh, therapist for you. Um, so that you can get the proper treatment. And it's just like with any other kind of doctor that you're looking for, you have specialists, all that kind of stuff. I wanted to make a mention too, uh, when you diagnose yourself, it's always worse. Have you ever, uh, or know of, known of anybody ever like has a sniffle or something, they go on WebMD and they're like, oh, you have nose cancer? Like, oh, you know, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. always worse if you are actually <laughs> like diagnosing yourself. So please don't do that, whether it's physical or mental, go to someone else. That's yeah. professional, not to your friend. And it's weird because we have this skepticism, this healthy skepticism with other professions. Like people do this all the time with mechanics and people like, uh, you know, or lawyers or like there's other professions where we have some degree of skepticism. Like if we take your car in and the guy says, oh, you're going to need a transmission. And you think, wait a minute, there's my car's not shifting weird. Why are you mm-hmm. telling me I need a transmission? Oh, maybe I should go to someone else. Maybe you're trying to rip me off. Like we have this skepticism in other places, but it seems like when it comes to doctors and mental <sighs> health professionals, we have a measure of trust that sometimes isn't warranted. And I think you you raised the point about going to a specialist. That's actually, I think that's a really good idea because these fields of inquiry are so vast and broad. The human mind, the brain is the most complicated thing in the universe that Mm -hmm. we know of. Mm -hmm. So to be a generalist, it's not to say that all generalists are bad, but in this field, if you are a generalist, probably it's going to be the case that you can't help Uh, like everything involved with the brain. You're going to need to send people off to specialists because you have to be a specialist in order to capture a problem at a high enough resolution because the problems are so vast. You have to narrow the focus in order to capture all the subtle nuances when it comes to like something like addiction or sexual trauma or depression. Like those are all different fields that you can specialize in. And, and it is worth pursuing, I think a specialist when it comes to that sort of thing. But yeah, dude, we, we trust, uh, we trust therapists more than we trust pastors, like more than we trust uh, people who are actually dealing with, you know, uh, matters of the soul, matters of eternity, um, because, and I think this is the reason why, uh, because we expect that whoever's a doctor or a therapist had to go to a bunch of schooling. Um, and so they must have this crazy degree and they must understand way more about this particular issue than I ever will. And so I think that's the reason why we trust them so much is it's like, well, you can't really go find that information on your own very easily. Like that stuff's not accessible, quickly accessible to you. Um, 
really in any kind of health medical field or whatever. Um, but like, we want to trust them because we think, oh, they, they have to know everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but we won't trust, uh, we won't trust a, a pastor. We won't trust the church. We won't trust, um, you know, someone who actually understands the spiritual well being of what is actually going on in mental health. And that's kind of what we tried to do with this series is like, yeah, we want to, we want to, um, address this from a mental health perspective, but it, we also need to address this from a spiritual health perspective. You talked about the mind being the most complex thing, uh, in the whole universe. Well, I, I think of Romans 12 and I think of Romans 12 when it says you need to renew your mind. Like that's a physical thing that can happen, a mental thing that can happen that actually starts with a spiritual, um, with a spiritual step, you know, renewing your mind by the power of the Holy Spirit because God is the one who created your mind and he's the only one who can actually renew your mind. And so like when we did this series, there's a lot of talk about mental health for sure outside of the church. But we want to bring this inside of the church and say, look, you can also trust the Bible to speak on these on these issues. Um, and that's what you should be doing. You should at least trust the Bible in some way to speak on some of these issues. I mean, and the Bible, especially in Psalms, is filled with a depressed David. Like, mm-hmm. he's not just sad. That dude's depressed. He's like, kill my enemies and smash their babies on rocks because I am so upset. Like, mm-hmm. that's yeah. some messed up stuff. That's some deep, dark things <laughs> going oh, on sure. in David's mind. Um, but when you look at his life, it's pretty traumatizing. Like when you look at his life, it's pretty uh, anxiety uh, inducing. And so he's depressed and he writes these things out to God. And, you know, if we could, uh, if we could couple the spiritual with the mental and knowing that they really go together, Mm -hmm. then we wouldn't be missing the mark so much. We might not have such, um, such an epidemic of mental illness if we also coupled these things with spiritual. Right. Like you'll hear therapists say all the time that your mental health is directly associated with your physical body so like you're you you can have a trauma that you feel in your body that it's not purely just a mental thing like it's it's connected to the body and i would say that in the same way that this that your spiritual side is connected to those two and so to try to divorce one from the other i think you end up well with an incomplete treatment strategy and also an incomplete view of the problem and you know when you think about like low resolution understandings of things i think one of the reasons like our guest Judy brought up uh, the rise in social media being correlated to the rise of depression and mental illness. And I think maybe one of the reasons for that is because our networks have grown so much. We're so connected with things that are happening on a global scale that it, it has become impossible for us to have the proper resolution when it comes to looking at problems. So here's the best way of explaining this, I think, is like, imagine you have a map or some kind of picture. If I make that picture blurry enough or pixelated enough, it it gets to the point where you don't even know what it is anymore. And if you're trying to deal with your understanding of of the world and it's all pixelated like that, that's not a very good understanding and it's going to lead to all kinds of problems at the level of your mental well-being. And so I think it can be beneficial for people to just stop looking at the global order of things and to get local, Uh, you know, get involved with the church, with your neighbor, essentially. We were, we were not, sorry to cut you off on that. We were not created to deal with the world's problems. We were not created to know what is going on, uh, even a hundred miles from us, like we think of, think about. Um, okay, and I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna step in a little bit uh, here. Think about uh, evolution in a sense, right? Uh, and I'm not talking about macro evolution and freaking coming out of the water and becoming 
apes and stuff and then becoming humans. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about literally the way that the world has evolved and the way that humans have had to adapt to be able to continue to stay up to date with the world, right? So think about up until the last 15 years. No, I would even say, I would, I would, I would move that back a little bit. Maybe since about the 70s or 80s. Like, uh, because of news networks and things like that and cable TV and things that are expanding a little bit. Um, I would say that up until about the 70s or 80s, humans have never had to worry about and deal with anxieties that other human beings across the globe are having to deal with. And so when you introduce that and then you globalize it even further and make it down almost to the, you know, to the what is someone across the world having for breakfast today or how are they having to deal with, let's look at the uh, Ukraine bombings. Like we could actually go online right now and watch people having to deal with the horrors of war, Mm -hmm. therefore putting ourselves in the middle of the horrors of war that didn't come to our doorstep. And I'm not saying we shouldn't care about them, but we shouldn't put ourselves in that situation we put we were putting ourselves in a war zone that didn't actually come to us and yeah. for so long i mean for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years humans have never had to deal with anything that wasn't right next to them or in their local community or within a couple you know tens of miles away from them um and and now we're globalized and so that's the reason why it's it's worse you know like mm-hmm. well what is someone across the world that it's in my um same age group how successful are they? How how um, how happy are they in their marriage? How how happy are they traveling the world? You know what stuff do they have? What friends do they have? And like, if I don't have all that stuff, I don't measure up. Well, that sucks. Like, you know, it adds to that depressing state. Um, and honestly, it's because we're so globalized, and we were never meant to do that. Mm. My brain and my heart cannot take everybody else's joys or problems or whatever. I was created to be in close knit community right. and take on those burdens, not the entire world's burdens. Yeah, and a big part of that is like, if you try to take on the world's bur- burden. So for instance, if you're following the what's happening in Ukraine, most likely, not only are you reacting, trying to react to an understanding of war in a country that you probably weren't familiar with before this whole started, but you're also reacting to a misunderstanding of that war, most likely. So when these kinds of things happen, a lot of the content that you're consuming is engineered to provoke negative emotion. That's what propaganda does. And so when countries are at war with each other, they try to put out stuff that will make you upset at the other side. And both sides are doing this. And they always, they've always been done, done this since there was modern media and when it comes to wartime. Um, so you're dealing with probably a a misunderstanding and you're trying to react to that misunderstanding that's less likely to happen if you're on the ground with your neighbor because you know a lot about your neighbor you know a lot about their life you have a higher resolution understanding of that person and so it's so important that when you're reacting to these things that when you're reacting to reality as such the space that you inhabit that you react to it as it actually is instead of some misunderstanding or some misapprehension of it because that's the kind of thing that causes mental illness whenever what you believe about the the stuff around you doesn't isn't consistent with the reality of the stuff around yeah it's cognitive dissonance right like um we have i know you love bigger words and i don't use them all the time so i wanted to pull that one out cognitive dissonance okay (laughs) what's going on around you is not what's actually going on in your mental state um so here's the deal you you mentioned uh you know 
the fact that that you might be watching something that's not even real, right? Like or it's, it's a propaganda. That's what all of social media is, right? So like, let's take it from away from the war even and say even the good things that you see are really, they're curated. They're curated by the content creator, whoever that might be. Um, even if it's someone just two towns away from you taking pictures of their food, like, or taking pictures of their hike or whatever it might be, like that stuff is completely curated. And so you never know what's actually truly behind all of that. Um, I recently saw someone actually post like some, some pictures and some videos of them on a hike near, um, near this waterfall. And so I love the fact that they did this. They, they did a a video of the waterfall and they said Instagram and it was all beautiful. And then it said, uh, and they were actually standing by the waterfall and they said reality. And then they showed a video of them trying to climb up to the waterfall. And on a cold day, they actually fell into the, to the river, uh, which is pretty hilarious. But like, it's, that's the stuff you don't normally do not see because it's normally curated by whoever is creating the content, therefore mm-hmm. creating that dissonance in you that this is what I see, but that's not what actual reality is. And so I am being uh, influenced by something that is a parody um, and there's not the full story, right? Yeah. So there's a pretty famous experiment on this topic, on this idea of having, trying to take in global concerns or, or broad even not even just global, but national or something that's like too broad for what your ability to comprehend is essentially. Uh, and the experiment goes something like this. Uh, a bunch of people are shown a picture of a little girl in a third world country, a developing country. And they they're asked like, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you care for this girl? And you know, everyone's like a 10, of course I'm wonderful. Um, and (laughs) then they add this little girl and her brother and maybe some of their other families and they ask again and maybe it goes down to eight and then they bring in the whole village and then the level of care comes down to like six or five. Um, and it's the same girl is pictured in each image, but when you add more and more to the problem, uh, our ability to empathize with it goes down and that's not a problem. Like, here's the thing you might think, okay, well, I don't, why is there something wrong with me that I'm not trying to single-handedly solve climate change? It's like, no, there's nothing wrong with you that you're not single-handedly trying to solve climate change. You can't do that. You're not built to do that. Even if you tried, you'd probably just make things worse because you can't account for everything. You don't have enough resources. And so this is why, man, it's so important that we stay focused on what's around us. You start in concentric circles. So you start with yourself which is something that many, many, many people are not doing right now. They're saying, okay, if I have a problem and there's something wrong in my life, it's the world's fault. I need to change the world in order to accommodate me. Mm -hmm. That's the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. What you're supposed to be doing is saying, okay, what's my fault in this? Like, what's my responsibility in this? Where do I need to get better so that this (laughs) stuff will get better? Okay, and then you, if you, if you put yourself together well enough, then maybe you can start to help your family. Your, you know, your immediate family, like your, maybe your spouse, your children, uh, maybe I can make their lives better a little bit. And then if you're really good at it, maybe you can start to help your neighbors and then maybe you can start to help your community. Yeah. But flipping that around and putting the cart before the <laughs> horse and trying to say, okay, I'm going to go out with this, this protest sign and I'm going to change the nation. And then that's going to come back down and fix everything down to myself. That's the reverse yeah. and it never works. So here's the crazy thing, right? Like Anytime when I look at my own life, anytime that I feel like kind of down or like I'm not doing enough, I'm doing exactly that. I'm looking at the outside 
all the way to the inside. I'm looking at the major issues, the the more, not even global issues, just the community issues, right? The, the community issues with 18 to 30 year olds in Indiana County. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at the issues at IUP and thinking, man, what am I gonna do? And you're right, I cannot do anything. That's actually what birthed United was that not any one of us or even any one of our churches, um, any one of our ministries or ministers can tackle the major spiritual issues that are going on. Um, but I've noticed like that in my personal, and that's why we came together, but my personal like ministry outside of even when I was a youth pastor or um, when I've been a worship pastor, I, if I think all about the, uh, the major issues, the global issues first, and I don't first start with me or what I can actually um, influence right around me, the people that I can actually influence right around me, I start to think I'm not doing enough. I start to compare. I start to think, man, I wish I was doing this, or I wish I was in this situation, or I wish I had that those resources, or I wish I had you know, those volunteers or whatever. And I start to feel down instead of thinking about, wow, look at all that God is doing right here in the micro, um, instead of looking at the macro. You're right, like we have to start small and then start to look out to the bigger things. We cannot start bigger and then come down because guess what most of the time happens is that we don't ever look inside. We never look inside ourselves and so we never resolve the actual issue that's going on in our hearts. Um, and, and instead we we bother ourselves with all the other things that don't that we really can't control and can't do anything about. Yeah, so I, I mentioned to a couple people after the Unite on Tuesday, um, I had said to them, how thankful are you for sheets? You know, like you, you get out of here, it's like 10 o'clock, 10, 15. Uh, there would be nowhere to go to eat essentially if you didn't have sheets, but you have sheets. And so that's really great Bro, because you get to I have spend some like food. $20 at sheets every Tuesday night and it saddens me. Anyways, continue. But that's the thing. So <laughs> if you are a well put together, if you're a strong, well put together person and you, you know, you, you, you've developed yourself, you become the sheets to other people, you know, people, you bring that presence into their life that they're thankful for. And that's what you want to strive for. You want to strive to be the one that people, when, when you walk in the room, people are like, okay, we're good now. We're, we'll be all right now. Um, and you don't get there by reaching into the lives of other people and trying to fix all their crap and like put them together. You get there by putting yourself together yeah. because then you're available to help people. You know, like if, if everything goes wrong, you want to have that person around who's like, okay, he's not going to panic. He's going to keep his head. He's going to know what to do. He's going to be decisive. He's going to make decisions. Um, he's going to take leadership, like all that. We want that in a person. And, and the cool thing about that is that that's available to you wherever you are. All it takes is develop is focusing inward, like we're saying, and then you can, people will start to embrace you for that. And not only that, but you, your presence itself will, will help to correct the problems in other people's lives without you actually having to say, okay, let me correct your problems. Yeah. So the problem with that is, um, like, this is all great. The problem with that is going back to what we said originally is that, um, this idea, this, uh, this ideology is actually in the outside of the church world, right? It's in the secular world. Like, hey, focus on yourself, meditate, make sure that you are good, make sure you've got your self-care days, make sure that, you know, so that that ideology is around. The problem is they're missing the actual point and that's the biblical worldview where those things are supposed to come from. And so one of the things that Judy said, uh, that, that Judy, um, our, uh, our guest speaker said, was she said one of the reasons why 18 to 18 to 25 year olds deal so much with 
um, depression is because only 2%, and Barna, Barna Group uh, did a study, that only 2% of um uh, Bible-believing Christians, quote-unquote, that deal with depression, um, or no, sorry, let me get these right. 18 to 25 of church-going people, uh, only 2% of them have a biblical worldview, right? Like, there's only 2% of them that actually have a a biblical worldview um, when we boil it down. And so that is part of the problem of why we can't ever we don't look at ourselves and change the things on the inside um, because we don't even know how to start that. Like we might try from some of the things, like I just said, self-care and you know, taking time off and making sure you don't burn out and all this other stuff, but actually we're not doing anything because we're not re- allowing the Holy Spirit to renew our mind through the Word of God. Yeah, you need to be able to, in order to uh, properly let's say, perceive the world, to perceive the world in a way that's not going to cause you great pain. You have to answer the questions, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Where am I from? Like those questions are sort of the meta-narrative questions. Like those are the those are the questions that all meta-narratives deal with. It's like, where am I from? Why am I here? Who am I? Where am I going? And most of the time when you go to someone maybe who's dealing with self-help or something like that, they're going to be answering some variant of those questions. And so, you're searching for answers to those questions. And not only do you have to have answers to those questions or else you have chaos, because if you don't know who you are, like ask anyone who's lost their identity, it's complete utter chaos and it mm-hmm. feels miserable, okay? Which is why a lot of times we would rather identify with our negative characteristics than not have an identity at all. Like you'd rather be an alcoholic than not have an identity at all a lot of times, okay? So um, you have to answer those questions, you have to answer them accurately. That's what the Bible does. It answers those questions yeah. and it answers them accurately. And for those who have been around me, you've probably heard me use this analogy before, but I just love it. The way this works is uh, you imagine that you're at the gym and you're working out a particularly grueling exercise. Your heart's beating really fast. Your muscles are burning, all these negative sensations, right? But you're at peace because you know why those are there. You have the right context. They're couched in context that puts you at ease. But if you just woke up in your bed one morning and you had the same exact sensation, you would call 911 and you'd be panicked. Okay, so all that's changed. It's not the it's not the stimulus that's changed. It's the context that you're perceiving it through that has changed. Yeah. And the same is true of life. And you have to have the right context or else things that shouldn't hurt you will hurt you tremendously and the pain will be real. Like you'll actually be hurt by it and you won't know why and you'll think there's something seriously wrong with me. But it's just that the way you're filtering the stimulus, you're filtering it through a misapprehended, a misunderstanding of the world and it's causing you great pain and like, yeah. you gotta fix that stuff. Yeah, it really goes It really goes all the way down to the lizard brain of fight or flight. Like it really goes all the way down to that, is that if I have a biblical worldview and I know why I'm here, I know what I'm doing, I know where I came from, I know what I'm supposed to be about, then I'm more often than not going to choose fight. Like I'm gonna fight for myself, I'm gonna fight for others, I'm gonna fight for my well-being. Um, but a lot of times if I don't answer those questions, it is flight, it is I don't wanna deal with, I'm just going to numb instead. And it goes back to our talk a couple of weeks ago about addiction. like. I'm just gonna numb that stuff instead. I'm just gonna run away from it instead of, oh, I actually have the answers to these questions. 
there is hope. Um, this doesn't last forever. There is eternity. Um, and I'm living for that and not the things that are here on this earth. My eyes are towards heaven. So like that allows me to continue to fight. I mean, I've seen that even in my own life. Like I've told people, uh, recently in the past few months, like, man, sometimes I just feel like giving up, like giving up on the fight in general, um, internally. And what keeps me going is only because I have a biblical worldview. Cause no, I'm meant for more than that. I'm meant for more than just to lay down. God has called me to do this. And even if it's not to do something grandiose, it's to live a life devoted to him and to shine a light into the darkness. And that's for every believer of Christ, right? And so like, if I go into the, if I go into my life with that mindset, um, then when I have crappy things happen in life, things get me down. Even if I am clinically depressed, what keeps me rolling is the fact that I can answer those questions from a the on, like the ultimate truth base, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably a really good place to wrap this up. I mean, just remember like the the things that you most need to find are probably going to be in the places you least want to look, you know, because you're talking about Kendall, what Kendall's doing is he's outlining potential for you, the potential for who you could be if you uh if you had if you allowed the spirit of God to renew your mind through the study of scripture and gathered worship and all the rest. Like that's potential in you. And the problem with potential is that it reveals to you who you actually are right now. And that's kind of scary. And so there's that part of it, but man, the pursuit of that potential, I think is one of the most meaningful things we can do. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thank you guys for listening to the Uloft podcast. Hey, remember, if you haven't been to United, it is Tuesdays at 727 p.m. Right now we are meeting at 2707 West Pike Road, which is Summit Church. We really hope to see you guys there. It is a great time. Thank you guys for joining us. and We will see you in the next episode. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Uloft podcast. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to it. Also, come out and join us for a Unite every Tuesday at 727 p.m. This is a time of music, friends, and important teaching. You don't want to miss it. You can learn more about Unites, as well as everything else we do, by visiting unitediup.com. Thank you all for hanging out with us, and we will see you in the next episode.